This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Hello, I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, have you ever thought about dating? and how it's going to be to date after a loss? Or are you working on dating? Our guest today is an expert on grief and loss uh, with his own experience as well as on dating. Do you want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. And Abel has been a guest on our show before, and he has a very compelling story about how he went on to find hope after loss. At age 26, after the tragic suicide of his pregnant wife, Abel Keogh unexpectedly found himself a young widower and bereaved parent. Abel is a corporate marketer for a technology company and is also the author of the memoir, Room for Two. His current book is The Ultimate Dating Guide for Widowers. Welcome back to the show, Abel. Hey, Gloria. Hey, Heidi. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on, and, and I your dating books are amazing, but I think we got to drop way back 13 years ago for a minute because uh, it's a pretty unbelievable story. Um, if people want to hear more about it, they can go back and listen Go to Open to Hope and Google Abel's name, and you will be able to listen to the radio show. We did specifically a little bit more about his book, A Room for Two, because 13 years ago, his pregnant wife, you came home, and she, as you came in the door, you heard a shotgun or something, Abel? Yeah, yeah. So I came in the door and heard um, a gunshot and, you know, kind of, I think, just kind of, you know, thinking what a, what is going on and um, raced back to our bedroom and found that, you know, my wife had uh, killed herself. And you were saying, you were saying before the show and something I'd forgotten, she was pregnant at the time. And yeah, so she was, that, yeah, she, yeah, she was seven months pregnant at the time. And um, by the time the emergency people got there, they thought there was a chance they could save the baby. So it just kind of happened in a blur for me, but suddenly she was, you know, her body was gone and it was off to the hospital, and, you know, I got to the hospital a little bit later, and I said, you know, congrats, you're a dad, and, you know, I got to see my daughter for the first time. What is her name? Uh, yeah, her name was Hope. Oh, I love that. Her name was Hope, and you said she lived for nine days? Yeah, so she lived for nine days, and, I mean, it was, I mean, I guess, you know, the odds were kind of stacked against her all already just being, you know, born two months early, and just, you know, being deprived of oxygen for a while. And so, um, yeah, after nine days and lots of tests, I made the decision to remove her from life support. She had never really been able to breathe or do anything on her own. And at that point, I just made the decision to remove uh, life support. Wow. So you lost your wife and your daughter within a nine-day period. Powerful. Yeah. And then you, as a writer in your in your evenings... When did you decide to write your first book on relationships, right? Oh, you wrote your first book about the experience of your wife dying, The Room for Two. And then after you'd gotten that book, how how long after her death did you write that? Um, that was, I guess I wrote it about six years after she died is when it was published, but I probably wrote it three or four years after. Mm-hmm. And And then you decided to start even more exploring your experience by talking about dating. Was that your first book after Room for Two on a dating book? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, what happened is I is I had been blogging anonymously for a while about my experience, and um, um, I was kept getting emails from uh, women who were dating uh, widowers who somehow related to the story that I uh, I had written, and I kept getting emails from them asking questions about dating a widower and 
you know, why is he acting this way? Why is he behaving that way? And, you know, I kind of resisted doing the, uh, the uh, book for a while, but, uh, you know, but, uh, but I kind of, you know, after, uh, after, you know, answering thousands of emails, I kind of realized that there were certain patterns that these women were seeing and that I was starting to see. And I could kind of relate some of these patterns to my own experience. And I kind of said, hey, you know, there's a need for something out this like there. And people kept telling me there's no book on the subject. Go write it. Go write it because you're the expert, apparently. And so, Especially um, from a I, widower because you, you think of women writing about these things but not guys. I love it. Right. And, 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 wrote it. Yeah, and that and that's what that that's why I think they were so interested in it. There are other books on the subject, but they're written by mm-hmm. uh, women, and 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 these women they wanted they they wanted a guy's point of view to say why is he acting this way? Why is he doing this? Why is he saying this? And mm-hmm. and so I was uh, so I so you know I was kind of able to go in and maybe kind of uh, clarify some things and and explain to them you know why a widower says certain things or does certain things and I, and you know and it. it, it, it the books are really to help them decide if the widower is ready to actually move on and have a real relationship or if he's just kind of to the point where he just wants some companionship. And I talked about the difference between having that relationship and just having companionship. Wow, you've got so much good knowledge. So this latest book, and your, and your other books are, let's see, Dating a Widower, Starting a Relationship with a Man Who's Starting Over, Marrying a Widower, What You Need to Know Before You're Tying the Knot, Life with a Widower, Overcoming Unique Challenges, and Creating a Fulfilling Relationship. Those are pretty amazing topics just in the titles of the books, aren't they, Heidi? Absolutely. Incredible. So now your new one, The Ultimate Dating Guide for Widowers. Let's talk about that. you got some great stories in here. Joe Biden's story. Yeah, I was going to say, this was, uh, this was a different book in the sense that uh, this, this book's written for men. And so when I sat out, you know, after writing these other books, people kept saying, well, my widower needs something to read. He reads these books, and they're okay. You know, they kind of help him. But he needs, you know, we need a book written by a widower for men, you know, for these uh, widowers that are out there. And it was, it was kind of different. I had to approach it a bit uh, differently because men respond to, you know, to advice and stuff differently than uh, women do. And so I realized that the best way to, you know, to kind of get my, uh, my point across was to go back and find widowers who had, you know, well-known widowers who had lost a spouse, uh, lost a child, whatever, and then, been, you know, hopefully for the most part been able to uh, to uh, put their life together or even not put their life together and just draw on their experiences and show what people could learn, you know, from people like Joe Biden or Thomas Edison or Pierce Brosnan um, and Paul McCartney about what to do and not to do. Tell uh, me the Thomas Edison one. Uh, Thomas Edison's uh, um, an interesting one. Most people don't know that Thomas Edison was a remarried uh, widower. He, he he married his first wife. He was in his twenties, and his first wife was sixteen. And she, mm-hmm. you know, they had they had three kids together. And she died in her late twenties. I can't remember the exact age. It was like twenty eight, twenty nine when she died. And uh, and um, um, you know, Thomas Edison kind of took one of his kids uh, under his wing and. Uh, I think it was within a year, year and a half, he was uh, married again and uh, had another wife and had three more kids, and life went on for him. And so it's it's kind of an interesting insight on Edison that you know you know when you think of him, you think of all the you know you know the great businessman that he was, all the inventions that he did. But most people don't know that he you know that he that he did lose a wife and uh, remarried and you know had a long successful marriage with his uh, with his uh, his uh, his uh, new wife. So, Abel, I'm wondering, what's the number one piece of advice you would give to widowers out there? Um, if they're looking to date again, my advice, 
the, the number one piece of advice I, could, I would give them is to date lots of different people. Uh, the big the big problem I see, whether I'm talking to the women that are, that are dating them or widowers themselves, is, they, is that a lot of them, they just have this need that they want to latch on to a relationship. And my advice is, well, there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. I think that's kind of a, a guy thing, you know. You feel like something's broken and you want to kind of kind of go out there and fix it. The problem is, is that, and I even did this myself, is that you go out there and you kind of latch on to the first person that shows any kind of interest in you. And it doesn't matter if that person is necessarily a good person for you in terms of a long-term relationship, um, you you know you get involved in a, a relationship because there's a big hole in your heart. And if you if you want to avoid that and avoid getting into a relationship, a serious relationship before you're ready, is to go out there and just kind of date a bunch of different people and get a kind of a feeling for who's out there and what's out there. And you can kind of use it, you know, you can kind of use it as a, a sounding board to kind of say, you know, to you know, to, to kind of help yourself decide if you're actually ready to a date again and get serious or if you're just looking for, you know, short-term relationships or one-night stands or whatever. I like your Chapter 7. It says, think outside the late wife. <laughs> what does that mean? I like that, Mom. That's good. Think outside the late wife. I like that. Yeah, so so a lot of, and, and again, I had the same issue as well, but a lot of times, you know, you know, you had, for the most part, you had a great marriage and, you know, you had this wonderful woman that you were married to and you go out there, and I think a, a, the first instinct a lot of people have is is, is they want to date someone that's just like their their a late wife, whether she looks the same or acts the same, um, you know. And 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 so like in my experience, you know, when I finally started dating again, um, you know, I was this was when online dating was still kind of new, but I was going out there trying to find people um, that had similar traits and characteristics as my late wife, whether it was the way that they looked or their interests or hobbies. And so I'd go out there and start dating people, and, you know, it's just like we didn't have this uh, connection at all. And I'd be like, well, this is weird. You know, she has these interests. She looks this way. Why am I not having this uh, connection? And then the first time I really had a connection with someone, a real connection with someone, um, was when I met my, you know, she's now my wife, Julie. But when I met Julie, um, you know, I just had this instant attraction to her. But as I got to know her better, I realized she was nothing like my wife. Personality was different. I mean, in in most ways, she's she's 180 degrees the exact opposite of the late wife. Um, and so, I, so I kind of realized that you know what I had been searching for, and I didn't realize this until a little bit later. But I realized I was really searching for some kind of some superficial kind of things. That this is what I thought I was attracted to. Um, and my you know, and my late wife and my current wife, they do have lots of things in common, but they aren't they aren't really necessarily the things that you think of first or the things that you go out and see. And so really the point of that chapter is, is I want men to think that, hey, you know, when you start dating again, just kind of, um, you know, I just had this instant attraction to her. But as I got to know her better, I realized she was nothing like my wife. Her interests were different. Her personality was different. I mean, in, in most ways, she's, she's 180 degrees the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And of what about wife. the area of money and finances? I know you say that can be a big area. Yeah, well, you know, I think when people get married again the, uh, the a second time, there's lots of things they learn. Um, from from their uh, their uh, first relationship, and so like in the and so like I give I, I believe there's uh, seven areas in, in the book, seven core areas. I say, look, make sure you're kind of the same in these areas. And one is 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 money and finances, because I mean, money's a lot of stress in a in a, a relationship. You know, if you don't have the same kind of values or ideas about money, how to spend it, where to spend it, uh, budgeting and things like that, it can cause a lot of stress in the uh, relationship. Um, but you know, thankfully, I've been married to you know, I'm married to someone who you know who has the same value as you know. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think when people get married again the uh, the a second time, there's lots of things they learn. And, you know, uh, I know children's a big issue for you. You, after Hope died, you didn't have any children. Of course, when you marry somebody who has children, that's going to be a big issue. And, and I think probably how many kids that you want to have. I mean, you've had six kids now with, with your second wife, and uh, you must have had to discuss how many kids people want. You know, there's some issues here that are basic to ma- getting married, right? Yeah, and uh, and a lot of it's going to depend on your age and where and where and where you're at. But if the guy you're dating has children, or if you had children, it's like how how is the parenting going to be done? Do you want more? You know, are we going to have a child together? Um, and that was you know, and that and that and that and, and that was something that uh, that uh, Julie and I talked about um, because you know I I wanted to have lots of kids. She wanted to have lots of kids. We you know we we uh, we both like kids, but one of the learning experiences for my first wife is she only wanted to have one or two kids. And, and, you know, and not that I couldn't have had just one or two and been happy again, but, you know, when I was going out there the second time, I realized this is something really important to me, is to have, you know, four or five kids, and uh, we, had, we ended up with six, but that's fine, too, and, and, um, and but, you know, it's just really, it's just really, again, it's, it, it's finding that, that, you know, that, that a core, you know, that core value, again, of, you know, a family and what's important in a family and deciding what you can and can't live with. And by the way, you haven't left the women out of this book either. I mean, this book is really kind of amazing because you do also have in Chapter 8, 10 Concerns Women Have When Dating a Widower. So I thought that was interesting. I like the first one, Why Are You Dating Again? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and by the way, all, all of those points came straight from my audience. I actually pulled my audience. Um, like I've, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's lots of women out there that were dating uh, widowers. And I just said, "Tell me, what are what are your top concerns?" And I just let them just kind of go and go and go. So these so these uh, concerns that you see are actually from women who are in relationships or have been in relationships with uh, a widower. So um, to that, you know, to that top concern, I think it's something, um, you know, you should ask at some point, you know, early in the relationship. I don't know if it has to be on the first date, but you know, on the second, third date, just. I think it's good to ask why are you dating again, and and not that the widower is necessarily going to have an an answer, but I think, you know, that the woman dating him needs to know that, but the widower needs to kind of think about that as well. They need to kind of understand, well, why am I dating again? You know, is it just because I have a hole in my heart? Is it because I'm looking for sex? Is it because um, I actually want a real, you know, a real relationship that can last, you know, for the rest of our lives? And um, I think, you know. For the relationship to even have a chance of working, you both got to be on the same page as that. Uh, the biggest problem I see is that you know the women that date the widowers they usually want a more serious relationship, and the widowers, especially with the more uh, recent ones, they just they're looking for something more uh, casual, or they're not really really ready to uh, uh, commit yet. And if you're not on the same page about where you see the relationship going or why you're even dating again, then you know it's not going to work out. Yeah, and this concern, I, I think this would be a real concern for women. Will you ever love me as much as you loved your late wife? <laughs> wouldn't you think that, Heidi? Wouldn't that be a big concern? I, I was thinking that throughout this whole thing. The issue, one of the problems I think with having a spouse die is that when somebody dies, sometimes we elevate them to the status of God. And all we can remember are the good times. And so when you get involved in another relationship, sometimes you can compare constantly. And forget that, you know, relationships are good, and then there's bad times, and, you know, this is just the normal part of a relationship. 
Yeah, no, um, I I agree with you uh, completely, and I see that happen time and time again. And, you know, when I was dating Julie, that was a big concern. And she's like, well, I'm here, and I'm alive, and I'm making mistakes. And then there's uh, Krista, and, you know, everybody, Krista was perfect, Krista was great. And, you know, she, you know, no one seems to remember the bad things about, uh, about uh, Krista. Um, and so, you know, really the way that you overcome that, and I tell women this over and over again, is that men express their their true feelings through their uh, actions and uh, you know you should expect to be treated the way that you would expect any uh, any other guy to treat you and not make mistakes for you know or not make excuses for his uh, behavior and you know it, it is possible to love someone just as much as the uh, late wife you know I love Julie just as much as I did as I did Krista um, I you know when I talk to other widowers out there that have, that have done it so it is possible to do it's just it, 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 it's maybe a little bit uh, difficult at first to kind of put those feelings for the late wife to the side and open your heart up to uh, someone else. But I think if you meet the right person and, you know, again, you're building on those, you know, those uh, core values that you find important, I think you can love someone just as much or even more as a late spouse. Something you said really resonated with me, Abel. Men express themselves through their actions. So because, you know, sometimes they're not as verbal maybe, but look what they're doing and sometimes they're showing us through their actions how they feel about us. Yeah, you know, you know, if he's over there fixing your faucet or helping you out and doing things with you, I mean, that's how a lot of guys just show that they uh, love you. And I know, I, and yeah. if anything, you know, if anything from my books, and then learn that is that you know, if, is it you know, it's one thing to say that I love you and you know I want to spend the rest of my life with you, but if you're just sitting around doing nothing and letting her do all the work, he really doesn't love you. It's when he's out there doing things for you and helping you and making your you know your life better that that's when you know that. Well, listen, Abel, I want to thank you for being on the show today and writing for Open to Hope and being our friend and colleague. And, you know, you're such an inspiration to have, you know, the tragedy that you had early on in your life and to have found uh, such hope and helping so many people. It's really admirable. I totally agree. I'm just going to piggyback on what my mom said. You went on to find true love again and to have six wonderful children despite, you know, losing your first wife and your first daughter. And you are such an inspiration, and, and you're so hopeful and such a positive person. So for everybody out there that doesn't think that they can do it, there will be a next chapter eventually. And just go and read Abel's book so that you can hold on to his hope until you find your own. And Abel, how do people get your book? Um, the best way probably is just to go to Amazon. They can type my name into Amazon, A-B-E-L-K-E-O-G-H, and um, um, all of my books should come right off that way. Are all your books on our site, too? I believe they Well, yeah, I believe they are. <laughs> I'll have to double check. But last time, I, last time I looked, they are. Yeah, we'll have to look and see and make sure they are. <laughs> so if you go to Open to Hope, and, and he's uh, got articles there, and if you click on uh, Abel Keo's name as one of our authors and in our books, you'll be able to find it. And we go to Amazon, too. So anyway, well, Abel, thank you again for being on. You're a great guy, and we appreciate you. And give our love to your wife and those kitties. All right. Thanks, Gloria and Heidi. appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our show today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's Open to Hope. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. 
Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.